make the best decisions with the facts you have at the time. Yeah. And to make the best decisions, you have to have a calm and collective mindset. On our final Brett Brewer segment, Brett opens up about his three golden rules of business. Control the controllables, take advantage of your advantages, and it will all be okay. Let's jump into Demo Day. Over the last decade and change, you've had the chance to invest in a lot of different people. Um, one of the things that I you know, wrote down in my notes here is around your three rules. And I thought maybe we could just like break each of the three rules down and kind of talk a little bit more about them. The first one you said is to control the controllables. What does that exactly mean to you and why is that so important? In the startup context, to me, that means that there's a lot of things you can be worried about and a lot of things you can do. But you got to, as a startup, you have to control the controllables. And, and nothing more, I guess, is, is sort of the implied um, extra words there. And, and, and the reason is, is you have such a short amount of time, right? Generally speaking, startups are raising money that's going to last 12 to 24 months. And if you don't hit certain milestones that are attractive enough to the next round of capital, you go out of business. It doesn't matter if you got some amazing idea in the middle of the night and you're working on a side project and you got this and that. Like, If you're a SaaS business and you're not able to get the product shipped and have four to six customers using it, even if they're not paying for it, you're out of business. You will literally not attract that next round of funding and you won't get your current investors to, to pile in. So it's a, it's a reminder to any entrepreneur that you got to control what you can control. You can't spend time worrying about far off competitors and what ifs and whatever. You got to make sure that your team of 12 is executing on this product and it's going to be ready by March shipped by April 1st and have people paying for it by, by June. I love that. And I really too like the subtle ending to it and nothing more in parentheses, because I think that, you know, the way Mike Sue from yellow at snap talked about it is it's so easy to get distracted by the next thing. And the next thing that, you know, by focusing on only that, which you can control and nothing more, it really kind of brings you back uh, to that center. Uh, rule number two uh, from Brett Brewer, take advantage of your advantages. What does that mean to you? And again, uh, you know, how do you explain that to other entrepreneurs you're talking to? It's funny. I usually start with that one because mm. I like it the most, but they, 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 they are all, um, I think, apply. In this case, it can be used as the individual entrepreneur, take advantage of your advantages or, or the company. But in both cases, it's the same, which is if you're a small company, your advantage is being a small company. You can see what's happening out there. You can change your product. You can tweak it. You can, you can do all kinds of things that a big behemoth can't do. If you're a big behemoth, if you're Salesforce, your advantage is you can go into a new space and not make money for the first three years, mm -hmm. right? On the individual side, when I say take advantage of your advantages, it's what 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 can you do that that other people just can't, right? So all the time I'm saying it to to individuals in LA, and let's say you're starting a um, a um, social influencer kind of business in Los Angeles. Look at what an advantage you have. Totally. You can get in front of this person, that person. You can network into CAA. You can do, you can, there, there are so many advantages you have over the 24 different teams 
that are trying to start literally that exact same company in Des Moines, in Denmark, in Cleveland, wherever they are, right? You have an advantage in that case by your geography, the fact that you're in LA. Maybe your advantage is your uncle's uh, the number two at Wells Fargo. Maybe your advantage is you went to um, Dartmouth. Maybe your advantage is you tell me what your advantage is. I don't know, but everybody has them. The key is tapping into that and leveraging it to, again, try to skip steps. I love that. I love that. Uh, number three, which I actually think maybe is my favorite rule, uh, it will be okay. What what does that mean to you, Brett? And uh, why, you know, it's one of those things that's simple and it's easy to say, but what's the importance behind it? What's the weight behind it will be okay? Yeah, and to me, the weight behind it will be okay is it doesn't do the entity or you any good to get into panic mode. So inevitably in the entrepreneur's journey, there are major forks in the road. There are major hiccups. There are major pitfalls. In my particular case, we got delisted from NASDAQ we had an, because we had an accounting restatement, right? So in about 2002, we got delisted from NASDAQ. We had an accounting restatement. We had our stock frozen, literally frozen for eight months. One of the most painful things an entrepreneur can go through. Uh, you know, it's a whole nother show, but believe me, that was painful. But it didn't, it wouldn't have helped if I I lost my cool and I and I could no longer take phone calls from investors and make good decisions with the underlying operations of the business and try, by the way, to raise more money, which was very needed. We we had to stay calm and cool. So in every case. You're always better off, as we all know, but it's a good reminder to remind yourself it's going to be okay. You, 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 the sun will come out tomorrow. The business may not come out tomorrow. By the way. I'm not, <laughs> not going to say every story ends happily. And there were multiple points in Intermix's journey where really for, for the odds were that we should have really gone out of business, but we, we coincidentally made it in that case. Sometimes that'll work out. Sometimes that won't. But in every case, you're better off making decisions from a calm, focused, it will be okay mentality. Knowing that that's one of those things that's really easy to say as a mentor, right? Like you're sitting down with a friend or a nephew or a niece and you're saying to them, I know this feels like it's the end of the world, but but you're going to be okay. Um, sometimes it's harder if you're the one that's in that mode to be like, no, but Brett, you don't understand. I'm not going to be okay. You know, my identity is tied to my business. And so like, what are some more tactical things that you've learned over time that just you personally, like when you've had to deal with big forks in your life road, whether it's in VC or an entrepreneur, what are the sorts of things that you found for yourself that help you, um, even though your mind is saying it's going to be okay, what can you do to kind of like get yourself out of this, like the world's falling apart mentality. Like all people, I believe that you should, I like having two to three fantastic go-to mentor types, mm. right? Where they are disconnected from your day-to-day -day activities. But when you're inevitably down, when you get kicked in the face, when things are not going your way, you can reach out to them and they share words of wisdom and they lift you up. I mean, that's kind of been my number one thing. My number two thing is you just have to elevate yourself above the current situation. And, and you have to think from a 30,000 foot level for, for a second and say, like, it, 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 it's a journey. Like everything happens, you know, for a reason. And I, 
I, again, I can't, it's not helpful to beat myself up and, 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 and put my head in the sand here. I got to rise up and at least make the best decision. By the way, sometimes the best decision is, is closing down a business. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best decision is taking an aqua hire. Sometimes it's selling to a competitor. I don't, I don't know in every case that, that every, every single, every single uh, journey, as we know, doesn't necessarily have the fairy tale ending, but in, in all cases, you, again, you just, you, you have to make the best decisions with the facts you have at the time yeah. and to make the best decisions you have to you have to have a calm and collected mindset. That's really great advice. Um, now, shifting back to Crosscut in the fund itself, like, do you guys have some funds focus on one type of business? They their thesis is in prop tech or biotech or B two B SaaS, and others have a more generalized approach. How would you describe Crosscut, and has that had to change at all through COVID? Well, it's changed a lot over fifteen years, but the common theme. At Crosscut is we spend literally every day trying to find world-class entrepreneurs building a disruptive business in a big category. That's that's literally what our job is as seed investors, right? We started out much more in e-commerce, ad tech, marketing tech, right? Think of the the original background of what I was right. doing in LA, what, what was big in Los Angeles at the time. That's just what it was. So we found the best entrepreneurs in those categories. Fast forward through 14 and a half years, today it's space tech, it's health tech, it's property tech, it's fintech, it's web three, really across all those buckets, web three. And it's much more diverse ecosystem. It's a infinitely better talent pool of amazing entrepreneurs that are coming out of incubators, accelerators, self-funding, spinning out of snap, raising, I mean, the amount of capital in the ecosystem, the amount of opportunity, the scalability of businesses, the lack of cost to launch them, the size of the market that you're going after, right? I mean, it really is amazing compared to the late 90s. It's it's so much easier to start the businesses and it's and you're you're building to such a bigger audience that there there's really never been a better time. Do you ever miss that kind of, you know, being that number one like rolling the sleeves Definitely. up and just getting in? Yes. I mean, I I always have this question for VCs we bring on the show that started off as entrepreneurs. Like, how do you not just want to jump in there and take the reins and be like this is exactly what you should do? It feels like you're more of in this coaching mentality where you have to like give advice and direction, but a little bit more from a distance. Is, is that not been tough? And how do you kind of manage not being able to be at the driver's seat? Well, I started the show by talking about the fact that I do believe venture capital in general is the greatest job in the world, but it's not a perfect job, right? <laughs> so there are some negatives to it. One is the illiquidity factor of the job and the time. It just takes a long time and it's an illiquid asset class. So that you have to be just ready to sign up to. But another negative is exactly what you touched on, which is you are never really in the game scoring the winning layup. You know, you might be on the edge of the court. You might even be a couple seats up in the stands. And it feels great when an entrepreneur sells a company to Salesforce or sells a company to Intel or or the company goes public. But it truthfully is not the same mm-hmm. as the, the ups and downs of being the underlying entrepreneur. I, I, I think... 
I think a person hopefully evolves. In my case, I feel like it was a younger version of me was better set up for that amount of drama. We had an incredible amount of drama at Intermix. <laughs> that, that, you know, there's a book on that, that you can read all about for anyone that's interested. And, and really even Ad Knowledge managed to, to, to create, as all startups do, there is a, there's just a decent amount of stress and drama in the startup. Because the venture investor is one step removed, it, it, is, it has less of that drama, which yeah. I deem as a 49-year-old to be a positive. But you're exactly right. You, you do occasionally miss that energy and the people. I mean, the, the thing I, I went recently to um, Picasso had their first offsite um, about four months ago in Napa and 125 people um, just in, I mean, ready to, 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 to take on the world, ready to literally become a global leader. And two weeks ago, I went to the boosted offsite, which is another very successful e-commerce business here in LA led by Charming Charlie and Keith Richmond. And they, their offsite was, was here in Bel Air in both those cases, just the energy mm-hmm. of the event, hearing the speakers and, and meeting all the employees and seeing people interacting for the first time and stuff, it, it is intoxicating. I, I do miss it, but um, I'd rather be on this side of the table for now. I love it. I love it. Uh, Brett, a couple last questions on CrossCut. Um, what kind of investments do you guys make? I know the state of like seed and pre-seed and seri- like it's all kind of mush together. So as far as like the types of checks that you guys are writing and, you know, do you always take a lead position or are you more of like part of the round? What What's kind of the makeup of a typical check look like for a startup? Yeah. So we have tried to take advantage of our advantages. In this case, our advantage is being flexible. Okay. And so we're not dogmatic about always being a lead and we don't, we're not letting, like a following firm either. So I would say roughly of our 25 core investments per fund, we are the lead about two thirds of the time and we're following someone else about one third of the cool. time. Ideal check size is around two million to two and a half million oh, wow. okay. kind of initial check. I like to do, and I've always liked really bigger seed rounds. If you think about 12 to 18 months or 18 to 24 months, I'd rather have closer to 24 months of runway than closer to 12 months of runway based on, you know, a million mistakes that I've made, right? <laughs> so I'd rather be part of a bigger seed round than a smaller seed round. And it's a fascinating time right now because the whole venture world is looking at each other and saying, wow, things have changed. They've changed in the public markets, right? The, the NASDAQ is down roughly 25%. The S&P is down 20%. Um, unicorns that were previously 6 or 8 or $10 billion are now roughly half that. And the very aggressive funds, the SoftBanks and Tiger, et cetera, are retrenching fairly quickly. That has a much less impact, of course, on pre-seed, mm-hmm. but it's got a little more of an impact on seed. It's got more of totally. an impact on A, even more on B, et cetera. So in CrossCut's world, we need to recalibrate and say where, given the runway we have left in CrossCut 5, where are our dollars likely to get the, the most bang for the buck? And so it's a very exciting time in venture, even though the, the music is clearly slowed down. For sure. Wow. Uh, Brett, this has been an awesome episode. It's been really fun getting to know you. My last question, what are you most excited about? It could be personal with family. Uh, it could be business. could be about the fun. Just 
you know, right now uh, we are uh, May 16th, 2022. Uh, what has you most excited? Well, most excited at the moment. I am launching for the third year in a row. We're doing an LA Tech Cares fundraise. And briefly, LA Tech Cares was started by myself, Brian Lee, and a woman named Kwanzaa Jones. Who's Brian amazing. from BAM. Brian from BAM. Good friend. And so we started LA Tech Cares when COVID started. And what LA Tech Cares is, is it's a community of all venture capitalists and entrepreneurs in LA. It's a three-week fundraise where I find one technology-related item that can transform kids through education. So when COVID started, a lot of kids, of course, in, in inner city and stuff, didn't even have a Wi-Fi connection to get connected to their teacher. So we were able to raise several hundred thousand dollars, get Sprint to provide 3,000 Wi-Fi hotspots to kids in Alliance Charter schools. Wow. Right? We did another amazing program last summer. And to fast forward to this summer, we're going to support Nine Dots, which teaches STEM, computer programming, in kindergarten through sixth grade. And I've been to the schools and seen the seen the um, the nonprofit at work. They're teaching it in the physical school. You should see these second and third graders when they realize they can actually code and write programs that can turn into games that can create all kinds of fun stuff. It's really eye opening. And in lots of cases, it's the only chance these kids have to be exposed to that. So we're launching LA Tech Cares June 1st. It'll be a lightning quick fundraise. And then we will send all that money essentially to Nine Dot and expand them into several more schools across Los Angeles. That's amazing. And and now for people that want to donate or want to be a part of what you're doing, should they be keeping a lookout or what's the best way for like the LA tech or even just, you know, outside of LA for other people that want to get involved and help support the cause? Yep. The fastest at the moment is just email me at brett at crosscut.vc. And we've created the link and the landing page and everything, and I'll send it to you. Amazing. All right, guys, for everyone listening at home, this is Brett Brewer from Crosscut Ventures. Again, uh, you can get to him at brett at crosscut.vc. Brett, you're the man. I appreciate you so much for coming. Thank you, Sean. Loved it. Awesome. And for everyone listening at home, I'm Sean Goldband, CEO of Coefficient Labs. This is Demo Day. Peace, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this segment of Demo Day. You can listen and watch the full Brett Brewer episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or demoday.coefficientlabs.com. And don't forget to tune in to our next episode of Demo Day starring Carlos Alonso Torres, a principal at FinTech Collective. Peace, guys. 